Long last, we are back. Welcome into the Loud Outs podcast, CJ Nikowski and Ryan Spielborg. It's been a minute or two or a hundred, and we apologize. We appreciate all the nice notes that we got and asking about the podcast. We just have been on a crazy run of bad travel, schedules not aligning, all-star break coming up, a little family time in there as well, and it just kept piling up and piling up, and a month passed by. Which was crazy. I mean, was it really crazy. a month? It's been a month since we've done a podcast. I know it seems nuts, but it has been um, a month. But we're back, and we promise we'll finish strong. Because, of course, as we've been talking about all year long, uh, great season, great kind of not even we know we know we're past the quote unquote second half, but we look at it as kind of the second half. Now that we're on the other side of the All Star break, Billy and I taping here on a Sunday night, uh, and we're excited. So first and foremost, Billy, I'm glad we got this thing figured out. I'm glad we're back. Oh, we were getting messages from all over the world. All over the world. United Kingdom saying, what the heck is going on with the podcast? So uh, I mean, apologize the Brits, for that, but we'll the finish Brits do love us, CJ. You should know that by now. Yeah. You know, T. Crumpets, baseball, spilly, CJ. That's all you can ask for. You know, it's crazy, too. Um, All-star break. I, I always want to point this out because, like, baseball players, when you get four days off, is is like such a decompression for us, unless you're going to the all-star break, unless you're actually performing in the all-star game. Um, four days and, I, and I've talked to so many different players. You're, you remember this as, a, as, as players as well. Like to decompress, to unplug, and then you come back like super refreshed. It's not even that long. Four days is nothing in the, in the grand scheme of, of things. It's less than, it's less than a week. Uh, and, and like you see play, like the, the first thing I noticed, especially when you get games back on Friday. So the way that, that it works for, for a lot of players, Sunday night, um, some of them will fly to a vacation spot. Some will go home. Uh, I heard players going home. Uh, some that that are West Coast guys just stayed on the West Coast. So, for example, I, I ran into Connor Joe, um, and he, you know, the the Pirates were playing, finish up the the their first half, the first half in LA, and so he just went home to San Diego. And uh, so, like a lot of guys will go home, they'll decompress the first day. It almost feels like a really bad hangover. The second day, you, you're starting to get out of the fog. You might sleep in, uh, but you also know you have wife and kid duties, <laughs> you know, that you want to hang out with and, and do some stuff. By day three, you almost feel like you should be somewhere. Like you're yeah. almost panicking. You're like, uh, this feels like I've been gone for too long. Most guys eat a ton. They almost overstuff themselves. And then on day four, so this is usually like right around Thursday, guys are planning on traveling back. Um, to where they're going. And and for some of these organizations, some teams, uh, they'll have a optional, like there is nothing mandatory for many of these major leaguers. There's no optional mandatory workout. Uh, you get where you get. And, and a lot of these teams, by the time you get to Friday, baseball's sloppy the first mm. day. It's weird. Like uh, oh, yeah. the first day for, for after spring trade, after only four days, baseball is sloppy. No, you're right. I always used to hate the first game back after the All-Star break. And, you know, back then it was everyone got at least three days. A couple of teams would get four you know, during my career. And the three days felt like an eternity. And it's almost like you got to make sure your body doesn't start thinking it's the offseason, you know, based on what you're doing, because you're not working out at the same intensity. Obviously, you don't have games. Uh, and I just always hated that first game back from the All-Star game. I felt like it was always one of my worst um, or All-Star break, I should say. So it is definitely an awkward time, um, but you get through it. Uh, maybe things are a little bit sloppy. As I mentioned, we're, we're recording here on a Sunday. So most of the first series back from the All-Star break 
are complete. The only game that's going on right now as we're talking about this is between the Houston Astros and the Angels right now, but everybody else is done, which means those series um, are complete right now. And so we're through one, essentially, post-All-Star. And I want to talk about one uh, that you got to see firsthand. Pretty amazing. Uh, the Colorado Rockies and the New York Yankees. The Rockies end up winning that series. The walk-off win was a huge one. You had an amazing line uh, for, now listen, a three-and-a-half-hour game now feels like a four-and-a-half-hour game, right? They just feel longer. It was really warm uh, in Colorado. You were doing sideline, which means you were out in the sun, and I heard you say that if you were a barbecue, you would be burnt ends right now. Such a great line when I heard it. I almost wanted to go tweet it, Uh, but I don't want to steal your line either, but it was hilarious, but it was a really good series for the Colorado Rockies. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, they end up walking it off and take two out of three. Bigger picture, though, for me and where I want to get your opinion on here is the New York Yankees. They say they're going to be active at the deadline. I saw Brian Cashman saying some things on our channel on MLB Network Radio uh, earlier and talking about uh, over this weekend about what their kind of shopping list is, pitching, and they need some offensive help. But you just saw this team. Uh, give me a little bit of an evaluation on the New York Yankees, where they stand right now as a fourth place team as a team that is looking up out of the wild card right now, they would not be a postseason team. If the season were to end today, uh, they got some things they need to address. CJ there. There's so many things to, to get into with the Yankees. First off, um, they are not the Bronx bombers. They are, they, they, if somebody calls them the Bronx bombers, mm-hmm. you're that you can't call them that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they are at, like, they're a raft. They're not even like a like a boat. They're they're a raft. They they have no offense now. Pitching, I I have no problem with their pitching. Their pitching's really good. Uh, saw Carlos Rodon pitch. He's he's looking like he's coming back. It's still only his second start. Garrett Cole pitched uh, and looks phenomenal. I mean he he's they have pitching. They have pitching. It's it's the offense. The offense. I I don't know. There's no way to put it kindly. It's brutal. It's not an offense. It's it, it is not a offense. And I was like today's game. I was I was going through the lineup and I'm like, man, Harrison Bader right now is an out. Um, Isaiah Kiner Falefa is an out. Uh, I'm watching Oswaldo Cabrera is an out. Uh, Kyle Higashioka is an out. They had Jose Trevino now. I mean, like Anthony Rizzo, believe it or not, is an out right now. It feels like a, an eternity. CJ, there was a number we had on on Anthony Rizzo. He was 0 for 24 with runners in scoring position and two outs. Doesn't have a two-out hit with runners in scoring position. Uh, It's the second longest 0 for stretch in that scenario in Major League history, in the history of baseball. And, like, that's That's supposed to be one of your your key cogs. There's, There's no Aaron Judge. They do not look like an offense that that is a playoff caliber team. They're not good. They 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 fired Dylan Lawson. I heard a lot of complaints, you know, both organizationally and I'm not saying specifically towards Dylan. Mm. I'm just talking about the the overall approach of of the Yankees. Like, what the heck is it? Yeah. And, and you start getting into, you know, talking to some of the guys. And and again, I'm not I'm not meaning to throw shade on on Dylan at all or, or, or what he was capable yeah. of doing, but their hitting coach that they fired the hitting coach that they yep. fired, which Brian Cashman had never fired a, a, a hitting coach in his tenure as a Yankees general manager. Mm-hmm. Never. Um, the analytics, I think 
hindered this team in a, in a way. But I, I think that's a, that's a wet blanket because there is not one of those hitters that I mentioned that I would tell you is a, is a high caliber, but a bat that deserves multiple at bats a game. They just don't, they don't CJ. They yeah. don't. I, you saw with IKF, he's, he's a really good defensive player. He's not an, off- an offensive player at all. Why they moved him to the outfield. I have no idea. I have no idea. So going back to Brian Cashman and in in this list of, of what he's supposed to do to go shopping, CJ, he needs to do it now. Like they can't afford, the Yankees cannot afford to wait until the last second to make some moves offensively. They can't, they can't do it. Baltimore's winning games. Tampa's back on track. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like by, by the time that they look up and there's five teams in the American League East with 50 wins, Boston is at 50 wins. It's the only division in baseball. The Yankees are about to get dusted. And they're yeah. going to get dusted because they don't have the depth or the personnel offensively to even score a run. They're not a good offensive team. They're 28th in baseball and batting average. They're middle of the road in OPS. They're not good. Tied for last place right now with the Boston Red Sox, as you and I talk about this on a Sunday night at 50 and 44. I mean, and listen, it's it's a respectable record, six games over, but again, not the uh, finances, the resources that they've poured into this team that you and I have talked about all year long. You mentioned some of those offensive struggles and looking at, you know, Stanton at 237 in the month of July, he is hit, does have four home runs, but Rizzo at 159, Volpe at 188 with a 235 uh, on base round. He does have three home runs in the month of July. I know it gets broken up with the all-star break, but those are some bats that they're counting on. Harrison Bader at 195 in his 11 games and 45 plate appearances. As a group, they're hitting 237. Uh, this month, there's been some real struggles. You mentioned the pitching. You know, Garrett Cole has been good. Carlos Rodon, you got to give him some space to get going here a little bit, right? It's only two starts in, as you mentioned, um, but they don't have a lot of time to waste. They're already behind the eight balls it stands right now. Uh, Clark Schmidt has been pretty good. He's really emerged here lately. They got to get Luis Severino uh, back on track. He did look good for a while. Now, all of a sudden, struggling. The Rockies were able to get to the Yankee bullpen a little bit, so there's some concerns there. Nick Ramirez came in, and they did some pretty quick damage against him. They just got exposed, I think, with the depth of some of that bullpen. There's some good pieces at the very back end, um, but looking a little thin uh, in that series against the Rockies as they did a nice job getting to that bullpen, especially in the the walk-off win. So there are some... Real concerns for them, you know, where they go as far as what they need. It's fine. Brian Cashman, I mentioned, he said it on our channel and talked about it. Um, you know, where you go and how you actually get it, because this is going to be a very competitive trade market. I mean, there's no two ways about it. There are tons of teams that are looking for pieces, including the next one that I want to talk about, a team that's in a little bit better position than the New York Yankees, but still have some concerns, and that is the Houston Astros. They continue to deal with injuries. It's really kind of unbelievable. Framber Valdez had to come out of the game uh, dealing with a calf issue. I mentioned that as we're typing this right now, uh, there is the one game going on is between them and the Angels, and Christian Javier has struggled a little bit. His velocity is down. He's healthy, but he hasn't been um, that great. We know Lance McCullers Jr. Uh, already hurt uh, and done. Arquiti should be back soon. Rehab start uh, coming for him. Uh, they're waiting on Jordan Alvarez on the hitting side. Michael Brantley, of course, we know had the surgery. Luis Garcia is out for the year. Like injuries continuing um, to pile up. Jeremy Pena hasn't been the same player this year. Nope. Also dealing with kind of little nagging injuries um, along the way. So that's another team that's going to be involved 
in looking for starting pitching, just like the Dodgers probably will be as they deal with a bunch of injuries. A lot of the contenders are going to be uh, looking for these pieces, so it's going to get really competitive. And I think we got lucky. If you're one of those contenders, you got pretty lucky that a couple of really good teams are having, or we thought were going to be good teams, are having terrible years. Right, like the white, like the the White Sox who have starters, and the and the Cardinals who have you know starter or two at least, uh, with a guy like Jack Flaherty uh, potentially available. But it's going to be ultra competitive. You know, we sit back as fans. Like if you're a fan of a team, you'll sit there and you'll watch. You're like, all right, our team's a mess. You know, go get Dylan Cease or whatever. Go get Marcus Stroman. Like Stroman's name is a big one that is coming up. Bellinger's name is a name that's come up. Those are two pieces the Yankees can use. I don't think the Yankees are going anywhere near Marcus Stroman. Because if you remember what happened uh, not that long ago, a couple of years ago, where it looked like there w- would have been a spot for him, Brian Cashman had said publicly that he wasn't a fit for us or wasn't his exact words, but something like that. And Stroman took offense to it and built a graphic about how good he had been compared to other Yankee starters. It doesn't feel like that would be much of a marriage. Um, I'm not saying he's burning that bridge, but it does feel like, um, you know, that'd be a tough spot. But the Houston Astros are the team. Um, that I want to focus on, and apparently they're very, very interested. I just saw that one go across in Marcus Stroman. Um, they're, you know, they're they've been a good team, but they just have not been able to get going on all cylinders, and they're still a second place team behind the Astros. Excuse me, behind the Rangers who just swept the Guardians. Um, but I have similar concerns for uh, the Houston Astros. This is Dana Brown's first time doing this as a GM, and try, and he's got some big deals he's got to pull off, Spilly. You know, what's crazy about Houston. I almost give them a pass. And, and I, I don't know if you feel the same way. I mean, usually we, we know one of the hardest things to do in Major League Baseball is to repeat as, as World Series champion. It, it just doesn't happen. Uh, the last time we saw a World Series champion go back to back was the 1998, 99 and 2000 Yankees. And they almost won it four times in a row. Last time it happened in the National League, you have to go all the way back to the Cincinnati Reds in 19 was it 75 and 76. So like to go back to back world series championships is really difficult. So I I like to try to play, you know, like the aggressor and, and for an organization like Houston, where you're in a win now window, correct? I mean, like you you really are now they've won six straight American. They've gone to the American league championships series six straight times, but let's be honest. Like there's a toll on an organization for winning and and there's a toll of winning a world series and, and usually you see it immediately after the next year it's not like they let their guard down it's not like they uh don't want to win as much because they've won a world series it's just physically these guys break down uh, we've seen it i mean there, there's so many examples of it uh, the atlanta braves last year they 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 went backwards a little bit right like i thought mm-hmm. that they had a chance to go uh back-to-back world series just based on their talent and they fell back they lost that series against was it Philadelphia? And then this year, they're by far the best team. They're also healthier. They had they they got that extra breath, right? After winning a World Series in 21, you get to recover a little bit more. They get Acuna back. They get Albies back. And they're just stronger. They're in a better spot because they got a little bit more time. Yeah. And, and, and so my point is with, with Houston, for them to be overly aggressive, for them to go out and possibly go you know, acquire a, a couple month rental. I don't know if that's the right decision for them, just based on, on what they've gone through a year ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like it, it's one thing if, if I'm, if I'm a team like Baltimore, I'm probably more aggressive than the Houston Astros. If I'm, if I'm a team like the Yankees right now, 
knowing that they have this many soft spots, I'm probably being a little bit more aggressive than the Houston Astros. I think the Dodgers are going to be a little bit more aggressive than the Houston Astros. I think what the Astros have is, and I'm not saying like that they shouldn't go out there and compete. What I, what I'm just saying is in the case of Dana Brown, I'm, I wouldn't be willing to trade future big leaguers in the Houston Astros organization in a year where it feels like it's a soft spot, you know, uh, yeah, like, yeah, I'm with you. And, and they're in a spot too, as you mentioned with the window being open one more year, of Jose Altuve, by the way, he was also on the IL dealing with the strained oblique one more year of Alex Bregman before he potentially uh, hits free agency. The two of those guys combined are making a little bit more than $60 million next year, right? Or just right at $60 million, big part of your payroll. You give Jose Abreu that three-year deal. He's he's getting hot now. He's warming up, but it's been a struggle. Uh, he's been much better lately. Jordan Alvarez is is locked up here for a little while. Lance McCullers Jr. is. He hasn't been healthy. We're not going to see him this year, and and who knows what the final three years of that deal um, look like. I love the Christian Javier deal at the time. All of a sudden, now his velocity's down, and there's some real concerns. He was decent tonight uh, against the Angels, but it hasn't been quite the same season. His win-loss record is fantastic, 7-1 coming into this one, but an ERA well over four and not necessarily what you would expect. Rafael Montero, that deal's been kind of a disaster. They gave him three years and nearly $35 million. So point is, they have a couple of guys that are still locked up. They're never going to go completely backwards based on that. Kyle Tucker seems like he can't get a deal done and probably not going to happen. They have a couple of key relievers like Stanek and Maton who are set to be um, free agents. They haven't gotten a deal done with Framber Valdez. He's still got two years of control, though, left. Um, and if they don't get something done with Tucker, uh, they're going to be put in a pretty weird spot. He's only got two years to go until he gets to free agency. One more year, he's not signing that deal anyway um, at this point. So they could be potentially in an awkward spot as a couple of guys go backwards. They have some injuries. And you know what that actually means for your deadline. Dana Brown's got, him, he's got his hands full. Right, a couple of those deals that we talked about, he did not do. Right, he did. It wasn't in on the Rafael Montero thirty-five million dollar contract. He wasn't in on the Jose Abreu uh, nearly sixty million dollar uh, contract. Right, these are things that he inherited. So this is a really tricky deadline um, for them and how they handle it. And what do you give up uh, for a piece? You know, again, if it's going to be, I wouldn't um, give up anything, CJ. I would use. Yeah. I would use the minor league system. I, don't like, you feel like they have to a ton, like Hunter Brown. JP France, like the guys that are in the rotation right now, Belak, these were not guys. Hunter Brown was probably a guy that was going to slide in, but the rest of the group, not so much, right? It was Verlander out, maybe Hunter Brown in. You don't miss much of a beat, but they've had more injuries now um, and some real struggles. And I think for Hunter Brown, maybe um, some of the full season starting to catch up with him just a little bit. Um, he's still great. Really good. Yeah, but, but that's you know, what I want. You know. I want. I want that. I, I would want more guys to experience that. I would want... I would I would want my my minor league system to get a taste of this. I would want them to feel like they are the ones when it when it versus going to trade deadline and trading their future. I rather them see themselves as being the the players that can come up and step up to the big league level and impact the Houston Astros. That's that's again like I'm being very conservative for the Astros this year, given the fact that I don't think it's worth it to them given the amount and again like i think it's unfair but i i do believe javier's gone backwards because of the heavy workload he had a year ago yeah like all these things have a cost there's a cost to winning relievers have a cost like i would i would not be i would not even bat an eye if i if i if i took the you know stepped off the gas a little bit with the ryan presley if i t if i took a little bit off the gas 
off yeah. the plate of some of these players and, and, see, develop. and it's been the opposite. They've been, they've been wearing it. They've been beating up that bullpen pretty good lately. I, that's my point. Yeah. I, I, I like the Astros are, are like, yeah, I see the same. If the Astros get in the postseason, the Astros are the Astros, right? Like yeah. the, <laughs> good luck beating them, but I, I'm not, I'm not going full speed ahead with them. And if, and if any of those guys, if I, if, you need 10 days off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like this would be the year where I'm not, if they need a break, take a break. You know what I'm saying? Like that, like yeah. it's such a weird position to be in, but I I'm, I'm not doing it from like a, a non-competitive standpoint. I'm doing it from a big picture standpoint where you get in these seasons and you go, you're like nose to the grindstone. Got to win. Got to win. We're got to win in our championship. Well, you're not even close to healthy. You're not even like, you don't even have like a full, uh, you know, set of lungs and, and a full like lung capacity for it, for what you can breathe in and breathe out. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're just not at a hundred percent. And so, that's where, yeah. that's where, that's where my caution for this team specifically is. It, I, I, I'm not trading a Corey Jolks. I'm not creating, I'm, I'm not trading somebody to get, I'm not getting, unless I'm getting a, a two year, like, like, like I'm trading for a Dylan Cease or I'm trading for uh, a Corbin Burns. Those are different, but yeah. like, I don't see the Astros trading for a Shoei Otani. I don't see them trading for a Stroman. I don't mm-hmm. see them trading for uh, even a Lucas Giolito. I don't think it's worth it. It's a tough spot to be in because they do need somebody near the top. There are teams contenders right now that probably could just use a rotation piece to help them kind of win a division. Where in the case of the Houston Astros, I feel like they need somebody near the top of the rotation. Not getting an ace necessarily in the way that they got Verlander, but Giolito, Stroman, guys that you know maybe are a two or a three. Three at the lowest is what they need, but probably more of a two. And, I mean, again, put yourself in Dana Brown's shoes. right? You, you get your opportunity here for a team that has won a couple of World Series and has been to the championship series six straight years. And you're going to be the guy that's the first year in and looking at how this team's going and saying, Man, I don't want to get over aggressive because I want to make sure we're in better shape next year because it is so hard to repeat. That's I I think what you're saying is makes a lot of logical sense. It's just a matter of can he be logical and or even think that way, allow himself to think that way. His first year of taking over with this juggernaut that they've had and the run that they have been on, would they be better off? Just keep the group together, don't do anything crazy. And, you know, it might not be your year. Let's make sure they're ready to go next year. Because, again, all the same guys are there. Um, well, then I there's think one that fit. does make some sense. Then there's one fit for you then, CJ. It's calling up the Mets and, and buying Justin Verlander from them. I mean, that's that's yeah. the move because it, it won't cost you anything. That's somebody that's been in your organization already. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think that's the, you're taking on the, the debt of the contract, which is, what, $25 million remaining for the rest of the year. Uh, right around there, which is a huge sum. 43 for next year. 43 for next year. So, so you buy that. I mean, that's, that's what you're, that's what you do. You go it, it, cause it shouldn't cost you. It shouldn't cost you. I mean, like even in the case of Giolito, Giolito is, is a bargain in terms of, of salary. Like yeah. money really is important to pay attention to. It's not just the name. It's, it's the money. It's, it's, does a guy have an extra uh, gear of control? You know, in the case of Verlander, that contract is, is a, is a big contract. Like that's a lot yeah. to take on for an organization. Like mo- most organizations don't want to take on 
$25 million in the middle of the season. Well, 14, right? He's making 43 this year. So you're talking about 14 this year and 43 more next year. So roughly 57, $58 million. That's a, that's a, that's a big chunk of money. That's a big, big chunk of money. Yeah. It's a huge chunk. I feel like for them that they wouldn't go there because of the dollars, because of where they are right now with the payroll of pushing 200 million. The one thing they haven't done, I mean, it's, it's a healthy payroll, but they haven't gone crazy uh, with their payroll. And I, you know, I've always still wondered about anybody wanting to help Steve Cohen out and bail him out um, knowing that he's gone and driven the price up for, you know, pretty much everybody. Uh, the Houston Astros are 12th in payroll. Um, luxury tax is actually, that number's a little bit higher, but they're still uh, in a pretty good position. And they have a decent amount of commitments already for next year at $141 million, according to roster resource. So I don't know if they would do it, but I, I get what you're saying. If they, if they're serious about wanting to make a push and, and add the, probably the right place, then go pay for a piece. Um, whether it's a guy like him or sure that's huge money though. And I just don't think, um, I don't think they'll go there, but it's a fascinating team um, to keep an eye on. No doubt of obviously with all the great success that they have, uh, but what is next for them and how they handle this deadline. Um, we will see. They did tie that game up for what it's worth. So I know by the time most people are listening to this, that game will be over, but they got a home run from Jake Myers and a home run from Chaz McCormick. Um, and those are the kind of things they need, right? Help from the guys near the bottom of the order that are maybe not playing uh, as consistently. Um, I want to ask about the Cincinnati Reds. It's been a great story, of course. Uh, Ellie De La Cruz and this young group of rookies. And all of a sudden, uh, they've slowed down here. Uh, a little bit. They've lost four straight. Of course, one of those was right before uh, the All-Star break. Offensively, um, they have struggled coming out of the break here a little bit. And we got very, very excited, and understandably so, about the Reds, young players, a lot of rookies in the lineup getting it done. Then you get the nice little kind of story on top of it where you get the old man and Joey Votto coming back, and he seems to have embraced all these young uh, players and all the great energy, and he's actually been pretty good for them. Um, for the most part, but it looks like now they're starting to uh, to hit the skids a little bit. It's an interesting look at their starting lineup. You got Joey Votto with his better than 15 years of service time. Everybody else is two years and under. There's a couple of players in there like McLean, uh, De La Cruz, who had zero service time coming into the year. They're true rookies. A couple of guys like Spencer Steer, who got a little bit of a taste last year, but mm-hmm. not much. Um, very inexperienced team, and we got very excited about that, and understandably so. And start to wonder, hey, you know what? Could this be a surprise team that finds themselves uh, in the postseason? But as I mentioned, now all of a sudden things slowing down here a little bit. Uh, they get swept by the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, they're two games back, still a 50 and 44 team. But as we start to see them slow down uh, somewhat offensively, I think we get reminded pretty quickly this is a young team. Uh, and with young players, you're going to get some of that up and down. And right now we're dealing with some of that down. Has your confidence slowed down at all or taken a hit um, when you look at the Cincinnati Reds and their ability to make a run at the National League Central title? Uh, no, by the way, uh, again, like to your point, we're, we're, we're recording this Sunday night. Uh, Encarnacion Strand was was scratched in, in Louisville. Um, you know, is there a decision being made where, where this is one of the top power hitters in the Reds organization? Uh, is he getting called up to the big leagues? That'd be pretty exciting. Uh, again, another young player. Um, I think in the case of Cincinnati and I, and I've seen him, I've, I've witnessed it. I watched the rise. I, I like, I happened to be there right at the start of it in, in early June. What I've noticed about this team is that they're, they're fairly resilient. Uh, Milwaukee, by the way, is, is a good team. We've said this time and time again, they just can't score hmm. uh, as an aside, like Rowdy Telez got hurt during batting practice and he got set back uh, multiple weeks with a fracture. 
um, in his hand. So it was kind of a weird deal that happened. They, they haven't really disclosed exactly what happened to Rowdy Telez, but uh, Willie Adamas and Rowdy Telez were responsible last season for like 60 plus home runs. And this year combined, uh, I think they have like 25. So they're short, like 40 homers from those guys. And they would need 40 homers uh, from, from in the last, like what, 70 ish games to get that same power that they had a year ago, that that's not going to happen. So the Brewers, Brewers to me are, are good. They have the best defense in baseball, my opinion, based on their, the athletes that they have, uh, they're a really solid defensive team. So I'm not, I'm not surprised that the, the Brewers were able to sweep Cincinnati Reds, but in the case of the Reds, what I like about them, they, they have just been able to bounce back. And offensively, there's a lot there. Um, pitching staff wise, they need some help in the bullpen. They need to add a couple arms uh, back there. They, they've been really dependent upon it, like a handful of relievers, Buck Farmer, Lucas Sims, Alexis Diaz. Um, they need multiple, multiple guys. I think the starting rotation, we've, we've said this about their, their rotation. It feels short. I really love Abbott. Uh, I think Abbott's a stud. Uh, they're still waiting to get Hunter Green back. He's been dealing with a hip. That might be in the middle of August. Uh, I think Graham Ashcraft is, is 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 good. He's kind of like a Corbin Burns light. So so they have arms. Nick Lodolo will come back at some point. But I, I think in the case of the Red CJ, you know, if you if you're thinking about what Nick Crawl is going to do with this group, I think from within helps. I'm not sure what their what the big move would be position player wise. I mean, it really boils down to pitching. Do they want to trade? Like I could see them usually uh, like the name that I thought that, that made the most sense for Cincinnati was going to be Shane Bieber. And usually you see teams that share spring training facilities <laughs> make trades. So yeah. I felt like Cincinnati and Cleveland were, were immediately like the perfect pair. Uh, and, and Bieber felt like, Hey, here's the front of the front of the rotation horse. It gives you some name recognition. Uh, the national league hasn't seen him. It's a two-month rental. It shouldn't cost you, you know, something crazy. And then Bieber gets hurt. So Bieber's down right now. So I don't, I don't know what the immediate fix is for Cincinnati. I'm not down on them. Uh, I'll tell you that. I am not down on the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, I think you live with the offense. It's going to happen, right? Some of that up and down with younger players. But they do need to probably add the rotation. And finding maybe that veteran guy. Um, to go along with the with the young group, it seems to me like that is an ideal spot for them um, to be in. And maybe it's that rental piece where you're not giving up a lot. They have a really good young core of players right now. I did see that Bieber what got the news that um, no structural damage right now, so he might be in a pretty good um, position. We'll see how long um, that lasts. I did see also something go across here with Christian Encarnacion Strand that that's a that's a done deal. He is getting called up. There you uh, go. According to um, uh, trade rumors and uh, Robert Murray from Fansided, who was the first to um, report that. So, I mean, obviously, um, you know, they're they're moving forward here. But I think I wonder if this is a reaction um, to their offense struggling a little bit. Uh, I don't know. It seems a little, maybe a little. I don't know if it's a panic move or they just felt like it was time. Uh, but for a guy with an OPS, this is kind of wild, dude. Over a thousand in AAA in sixty-seven games with twenty home runs. Um, just absolutely wild. His first taste of triple a, uh, here he is at 23 years old. He absolutely, uh, tore it up. So he'll get that opportunity now, uh, to help boost his club. And I'll be curious where he plays first base. Third base has been mostly what he has done this year at triple a we've seen De La Cruz. We've seen 
Um, of course, Joey Votto, he got the H in there as well to work. So what they do with their lineup, um, I think becomes kind of interesting uh, as well here. And then who else has been playing first? Was it, uh, who was one of the young it's been, guys? It's been Votto, Spencer Steer. Steer, yeah. And Steer's, my argument for Steer's, Steer's been a better hitter than Joey Votto. Yeah. And Steer's at the top of the class when it comes to extra base hits and uh, on base percentage, especially when you consider his rookie status. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I've been leaning towards Spencer, like Joey Votto has to take it bats away from Spencer Steer. Now, um, Nick Senzel has been playing third and, and, and Spencer Steer's probably more a natural third baseman than a first baseman. Mm-hmm. So I could see Steer going to third. Uh, obviously, you're going to keep <laughs> Ellie Dele Cruz. Uh, at shortstop because he just broke stat cast throwing a ball across the infield like but he, uh, he but he did that as a did he do that from third base he did point? it for third yeah yeah um then you then you have Matt McLean who's gonna play second base who's who's the better second baseman uh-huh. and then he'll probably maybe put strand at, at first I mean they're gonna have kind of a interesting couple decisions because now you put um you know do you put Senzel in right field or left field how are you gonna use your your outfield uh, who DH is, what do you do with Tyler Stevenson? Because defensively he hasn't been matching up as well as uh, Luke Maley. So, and, and Stevenson to me, w- w- weird feeling feels like the odd man out and has some value. You know, like if you're going to move, you're going to move a player from this, from this position player group, I I'm, I'm more tempted to keep Jonathan India and move on from Tyler Stevenson. And Stevenson for like a Shane Bieber would have made a lot of sense for me. Uh, you know, like something like that. Stevenson for like a, a Dylan Cease type, you know, yeah. I like I'm not trading Stevenson for for Lance Lynn, mm-hmm. uh, but but like that Stevenson felt like the guy that had the most value where you could you could part with him. It stinks to lose him. Good player, kind of. Uh, you're not quite sure what you have with him right now, but still would carry some value. And and I don't think the Reds, I think the Reds have too many cooks in the kitchen <laughs> with all their position players that they have to figure it out at some point. Yeah, yeah, they do. I mean, that's a good. It's a good problem to have. The question is, which one do you use as a piece to get your team better? As you were just kind of laying out there, and starting pitching is the way to go. Are they ready to make that decision just yet? Are they loving all these young players and don't want to move the wrong one? It seems like they can hedge your bets because they run so deep, right? You can t- you can afford to take a chance if they are willing to do it. Six and six over their last twelve. Uh, offense has slowed down a little bit, hitting just two twenty six so far here uh, in the month of July. At a four game losing streak, are the uh, Cincinnati Reds lots of strikeouts in there uh, lately as well? One hundred and thirteen of them. Uh, over their last uh, 124 games. So uh, the Reds, they've been a great team. They've been fun. Uh, Whether or not they can keep it up, we'll find out. But the news there, we're just finding out that Christian uh, Encarnacion Strand will be getting called up their fifth overall uh, prospect as this young group uh, just continues to add uh, big league talent. He was crushing it uh, in AAA. We'll see if that translates. And doing it in the IL, the International League, I think it matters more. You and I have talked about that a bunch. The PCL, the Pacific Coast League, has been really difficult to judge these hitters. It's been very tough on pitchers. Uh, it is just a great place uh, to hit. All right, that'll do it for us. Uh, it is good to be back, Spilly. We promise we'll be a little bit more uh, consistent now going forward. We kind of got through uh, what was the last month of just all kinds of craziness that was thrown our way. But we're back to a normal schedule. 
Uh, once again, calling games, you and I, you with the Rockies, me with the uh, Rangers, back to doing more of Loud Outs on MLB Network uh, Radio. That show is 2 to 5 Eastern time. Uh, we'll be on a couple of days uh, this week as well. And then the podcast on top of it. All the CJ and Spilly content uh, you can handle. Thanks for listening. We'll look forward to the next one. Have a great day. Serious XM Podcasts.